Um, so I was thinking about the other day how like everybody says that millennials are are losers. You know, we're losers. We're never going to be able to buy a home or retire. You know, mm-hmm. but we're the we're the first generation to have um, to have OnlyFans to be able to access OnlyFans. Like, and I never saw that coming. The fact that you can no you can be friends with a woman. <laughs> And then you can pay fourteen dollars and see her pussy. Yeah. I, like I never thought that could have happened. Yeah, it you sounds know? like a real, like a decision. Uh, no offense, uh, made by a real whore, you know. And I think like you never put your, your you never go like, oh, what what would the wildest whore decide would be a, a good thing to do? Yeah, it's definitely more dignified to carry dead animals around a slaughterhouse. <laughs> for thank money. you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is great. Uh, like I'm, I think it's fine, mm-hmm. you know. I think the only thing standing in the way of the job is family members being embarrassed, and that's something that yeah. you would hope they could get over. But there's a woman that I follow who's on Instagram who has an OnlyFans, and she's like, your family will find out. For so sure. you just have to be ready. Oh, for sure they for would. For them to, yeah. yeah. Which I don't know how I would have taken that as a child, like just seeing like my Aunt Arlene and just <laughs> knowing, she's <laughs> knowing she's like shoving fruit up her ass. To strangers <laughs> on the internet, but it's interesting to think about because I like I've gone my whole life knowing women that I've wanted to see naked that I've never seen you know naked, hmm. and then uh, and that that was how older generations you know there would be like a woman at your office named like Pam or something, and you would like just want you'd want to see her pussy so bad and you never would you know and you would yeah. see her at the office every day. Yeah, but and are like people you work at with in the office? Are they getting OnlyFans too? Is that happening for some? I guess so, right? Well, I think times are tight for everybody, and a lot of people are. I mean, a lot of. I mean, yeah, but you got an OnlyFans like and got to keep your day job. That stinks. Unless it's part of the OnlyFans. Like I suck dick at Burger King. I would hope you quit your job, you know, because OnlyFans can make you some money, right? Yeah, but not every side hustle may, like pays your all your bills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- by that logic, we should stop doing this podcast. Right. Yeah, but I think the thing about OnlyFans is, is like, titties ain't a side hustle. Like, titties do better than all the jobs, you know? Like, mm. once you show tits, you make more money than any other job. It's not a side hustle. I just don't feel it's like the, everybody... It becomes the hustle, and I think that's people's worry, is, like, isn't that... But not everybody quits their day job because they start showing their private Well, they parts. should. They should. What, do you want all the money? That's selfish. But I'm just saying it's not. I don't think any, I don't think everybody like quits their job over it. Anyway, I was but I was just thinking how like how like now you know nowadays or no like back in the day you know there would be a woman named Pam you would never see her asshole and then and you'd work with her and you work for the same company for like thirty years and then you would retire uh-huh. and then you would like raise a family you'd have grandkids and then you'd have a hundredth birthday party. And your grandkids would be like, Grandpa, like, do you have any regrets in life? And you're like, you're 100 years old. You're like, no, not really. <laughs> and the whole time you're thinking about Pam's asshole that you never got to see. Maybe that's why everybody's so depressed now. That was the only mm-hmm. thing keeping us together. Keeping us going to work. Was the mystery yeah. of Pam's asshole. And now, the ch- it's, now we know, and right. it's not that great, actually. Yeah, maybe. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe you'd see Pam going to the bathroom one day. <laughs> You'd be like, nice. <laughs> All right, nice. Yeah, because the way that my grandparents talk about like the 1950s, I don't know. It, they they romanticize it a lot, but it couldn't it couldn't have been that great, you know. Yeah. But there was the, yeah there was that 
chance of it. But now it's like our do, generation. Do they say anything about love making at the time or showing tits or ass? Yeah, yeah. At Thanksgiving, my grandmother talked about she did how <laughs> her my grandfather would fuck her ass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on her birthday. <laughs> uh, but but so what I was thinking is like I. Like our millennials are never gonna retire. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be working at Target till we're like you know eighty five till we drop dead. But at our job at Target, we'll be able to see our coworkers <laughs> pussy and asshole. Amen. Because we'll have thirteen dollars to drop on on that. So so I don't know if we're losers. I think we're we're winners in a lot of ways. Yeah, we win in in, in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, millennials really got rolled at that bargaining table. Like you can't mm-hmm. you can't buy a house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can see an open micer's pussy, which is kind of—I don't know. I mean, it's—I'm not saying it's a fair trade-off, but it's—it's it's an interesting trade. It's something to talk about. It is like you know the railway workers getting one paid sick day. Yeah, and they want it fourteen, and they're like, "We'll uh-huh. give you one." Uh huh. And it's like, well, we walked out of there with something. Yeah, it's not a great deal, but we did—we did get a slight improve improvement over what we yeah, were starting. Yeah, and now with. the other rail workers have to go on OnlyFans so you can we can all just kind of we're all just allowed to look at each other's pussies. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you get. That's what you get from being a millennial. Anyway, um nice to be here. How was your weekend? Thanksgiving weekend? Are you guys doing anything special? Not at all. It's no. very quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. Thanksgiving weekend's a good weekend. It's a good weekend if you're in the city. You know, it's a good time to uh Watch movies. I oh, guess. I saw you Saturday night. Actually, we yeah. ran into each other yeah. in the village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a show. Everybody was sleepy. Like every sh- spot I did this weekend, everybody was like, you know, they were more of a Thanksgiving crowd than yeah. they were a uh, World Cup crowd. Yeah, like a World Cup crowd. It's like, all right, all right, guys, let's fuck around. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's mm-hmm. acting violent and stupid. Mm-hmm. But the, this was like an I just watched Uncle Buck crowd in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of that this weekend. Yeah, I didn't want to leave my house at all. Then I got the tab being like, "Hey, can you come do this show?" And yeah. I said, "I guess I, I guess I will." I saw this comic that I haven't seen in a long time, and he was like, "Oh, way, hey, what's up? It's hey, it's great to see you, man." He's like, "Yeah, it's crazy. You're like old now." <laughs> I'm like, "I have a fucking family. You, I'm like, you look like shit too." <laughs> yeah, what happened to his age? Did what it happened? stop? And no, it didn't. He looks like garbage. <laughs> At least I'm. You uh, did post a picture the other day, though, uh, maybe on your stories, where it looked you looked way more gray than you actually are. Mm. I think it's the way the light hits me sometimes. Okay, okay. But it's nice. I, I turned gray early, and I think that's good because you just like lean into. I started turning gray at like 24, so it's like I don't know. I'm just been been ready for it. Anyway, who gives a fucking shit about me? Anyway, who fucking cares? Um, I watched uh, I watched a couple uh, movies. You know. And uh, it's nice because every once in a while I'm able to, like, watch a movie. I'm able to, like, sit down and watch a movie in, like, 10 to 15-minute increments, you know? And I watched uh, Thief on Tubi. Oh. You ever see Thief? No, I haven't seen Thief. No, who stars in this? Yeah. Uh, James Caan. Nice. Yeah. Great. Great movie. I rewatched I because the way I consume movies is I just sit down and I... I let my kid run around, and I just, you know, I just get out of the movie whatever I'm going to get out of it. I give it, I don't beat myself up for not paying attention to it. You figure it out yourself. Missing big chunks of the movie. I just put it on. That's what I do. I go, I've seen enough movies. I've heard enough stories. I can figure out the pieces that I've missed. And I can, there could be some kind of takeaway here, you know? And I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, it's like not, 
And and you you can watch many more movies that way. You don't have to worry about same with reading books. You paying can skip attention whole chapters. Yeah. You read it. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> what do you just read a book while you're driving? <laughs> chapter one, <laughs> chapter five, chapter eleven. You, you know? do. Well, you pick numbers. You know. That's how you read a book. You pick numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. No, mm-hmm. but I have I have read the beginning of a book. Scott's, Scott's like yeah. some middle pages and then the end. Like yeah. that's definitely happened to me. Scott's like I don't understand why Harry Potter hates Voldemort. It's yeah. not like he did anything yeah. to him. He's like reading the Bible. Like who's this Jesus guy? He seems to be like kind of a big deal. What? Uh, yeah. Why are some of these words in red? I don't. What the fuck? What's that? Oh, in the Bible, that some of the editions they put Jesus's words in. Red. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know when Jesus the is words speaking, of Christ. That's an yeah, actual quote blood. from, from mm. Jesus. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they put it in red because he was a fucking socialist. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was because mm-hmm. fa- it was fa- it was spelled See the wrong, c- like the way a teacher does it. They went, "This is dumb." Jesus wrote it. Yeah. Boom, got him. The fact that Spanish people name their kids Jesus is is really funny. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, I'm sorry, it's just always going to be funny to me. They name their kids Angel and Jesus, you know? Hey, yeah, yeah, I know a lot of dead angels. <laughs> I <know. laughs> Legitimately, I do. Hey, you got to go. Yeah, oh, you know who has the keys? Angel. You'll see him. He's like 55 years old. <laughs> He's got the keys to the room that you're looking for. Um, How bad would you feel if you named named your kid Jesus and he ended up on the sex offender registry? Mm-hmm. You're like, well, I guess that that what would Jesus do bracelet didn't really do much there. Yeah, and there's got to be not a ton of them. I don't want to say a ton of them, but a de- there's got to be more than four. Jesus. G- hey, yeah, yeah, more than four on Jesuses the, on the sex <laughs> offender registry. <laughs> there's got to be at least forty. I would put money on that. What would Jesus do? He would join MS-13. Hey, y'all saw that cop who catfished this girl and murdered her whole family? Yeah, horrible. What the fuck is that? I, I don't know. I thought catfishing was like a like a prank. I didn't know you... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was to like... Yeah. To pre- you know, to be yeah. fat and pretend you have abs, not to fucking murder yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. It was fucked up. Like, it, it was on Twitter, but NBC News, they described it. Instead of calling him a cop, they said he was a person employed by law enforcement. Oh, I Why love did that. they do that? It, it's very weird, but yeah, it's just like you're just running cover for the fact that a cop, like, kidnapped a child and murdered her family. Yeah. Um, well, did he have a reason? There, I mean, there's usually not, right? It's usually just like, I thought up some crazy shit. Let's hear him out, everybody. <laughs> Why did you catfish a 13-year-old girl and shoot her grandparents in the face? He knows his rights. Yeah. (laughs) You heard that uh, the story, like, the funniest um, never-aired Saturday Night Live sketch, which is, um, it's basically the premise, and of course, you know, they never aired it, but the premise is they're interrogating Nazis after World War II and asking them why they did the Holocaust. And so the U.S. Army interrogators go over, uh, like, goes over to one Nazi, and then he just, like, whispers something in his ear, and the army interrogator goes, oh, yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> they just keep doing that. They're like, well, you know, this seems really horrible, but, uh, I mean, he makes it very persuasive, you know, and people keep coming over, like, just yeah. just hear him out, hear uh-huh. what he said, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, they never aired it, but that's uh, oh. it was a good premise. Yeah. Did it go, did it, they taped it live? I, I think they just wrote it, and then they never put it on air. I hmm. wonder who wrote that. It sounds like something maybe that I would think of. <laughs> I would probably, that's probably what I would write if I was, uh, yeah. 
But yeah, I'm sure the uh, the detectives who interrogated that cop, of course, had the same experience as mm-hmm. to why he kidnapped a child and murdered her family. Right. He's like, guys, you know when you uh, take your badge and you try to get p- use it to get pussy? Yeah. You're, like, you're lucky you're a cop or we'd really <laughs> throw the book at you. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be in a lot of shit. And, uh, he, gets, he gets pulled over. He just pulls out his PBA card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, there's, the girl's house is on fire behind him and she's there's tied up in the back. all over his face <laughs> yeah, and hands. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I work for Maryland Task Force. Hey, man. Yeah, yeah. No, my cousins, too. Yeah. No, mm. my brother. Yeah, my brother. Mm. There's Eric, like yeah. three crucified bodies on the front lawn. He just like shows his PVA card like, oh, he's one of us. Let's get out of here. Why? The cop's like, what the hell happened here? Was this Al-Qaeda? I think fucking Al-Qaeda came in here. But anyway, so uh, so the movie Thief is about it's James Caan, and he's like, uh, well, he's a thief. And he gets approached by the mob, and they say, you know, we want we got, we got some jobs for you. We're going to give you a, a a fee to, you know, we're going to tip you off to these scores. You're going to do the work, you know, you're going to get a percentage of the job, and uh, you know, we got we got a good, we think we got a pretty good partnership, you know, for you. Um, I rewatched a couple scenes today. And I was like, this movie's like really good because he tries to adopt a kid, and the movie came out in 1981. So he goes to the adoption agency. He tries to adopt a kid, and they're like, "Well, you were incarcerated between like 1956 and 1970." In in eighty one, they had like a smoking section and a non smoke, but it was like, oh yeah, it was like kids you wanted to you know raise and kids you wanted to fuck to death, right? In eighty one. <laughs> oh, Isn't the, that ad- how adoption the ad- worked. Yeah, the adoption agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlie's back. <laughs> oh look, it's officer. It's it's they officer. Were like kill shelters, right? Yeah. yeah. It's Officer O'Neill. It's Officer Finnerty here for another child. <laughs> it was a another New Deal regulation dismantled by <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many cops fucking women, fucking children. <laughs> we have to stop. Oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> that was a tough time to be a cop because you loved Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And, you know, but um. But yeah, he goes to the adoption agency and they're like, we can't, you know, we can't adopt you because you're incarcerated. And he's like, oh, yeah, there isn't a kid that nobody wants. There's not some black kid out there for me to adopt. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he's like, there's not some. And he says the he says the word that Shane Gillis got in trouble for, which is crazy that Shane Gillis got in trouble and fucking James Caan. Nobody got mad at him. I know. I can't believe no one built a time machine and yelled at him for that. (laughs) (laughs) How dare they? (laughs) Well, if you're going to cancel Shane Gillis, you should cancel James Caan, too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but, but I was like, oh, this is a really good scene because he's like, he's like, I was raised by the state and, you know, I, you know, he's like, he yells at the adoption. Anyway, the guy in the mafia gets him a a kid to adopt, he like buys him a kid because he's trying to adopt a kid with his, with his girlfriend. But he's, uh, he's a guy. They call it buying, right? They don't go, hey, I bought a, you, I bought a kid. Well, he can't adopt the kid, and the mafia guy says, what Oh, it's do you called w-? adoption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the mafia guy says, What do you want? I'll get you a child. And he gets him a baby. Hell yeah. Yeah. So they got this, he's got this nice little partnership with the mob, you know? The cops are following. There's a scene where the cops chase him. The cops, uh, uh, they pull him over, they bring him in because they want a piece of one of his scores. Hmm. And he, and this is, what he, this is what he says to those cops. We know you got something major coming down. But no, you gotta come on like a stiff prick. Who the fuck do you think you are? What's the matter with you? You got something to say, or uh, you waiting for me to ask you to dance? It never occurred to you. 
Hello. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Did you accidentally Jeez. click on one of your audition tapes? James yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Hold on a sec. Son of a fucking bitch. <laughs> We're not editing. Oh, you got Damn, James Conn has such a good Mike sure. Racine impression. <laughs> um, yeah, he, <laughs> sounds, he sounds just like me. Hell yeah. Great clip. Hold on. All right, here we go. I, I'm not. I'm not going to edit this because no, we should. all know. We all know what it's like having a podcast and you, your finger, your fat finger. It's a, it's a different clip because you're a stupid fat, wop dumbass <laughs> with gay fingers. All right, here we go. But no, you got to come on like a stiff prick. Who the fuck do you think you are? What's the matter with you? You got something to say, or uh, you waiting for me to ask you to dance? It never occurred to you to try to work for a living, take down your own scores? Okay, fuck this guy. I'll tell you something. I'm gonna be on your ass so much, you're gonna get careless. And on that day, I'm gonna be in that place. And that is the last place that you wanna be. Because no matter what happens, I will never, ever, Take a pinch from a greasy motherfucker like you. You got my little fucker. I'll kill you right here. So it's good. You know, he doesn't let the cops tell him what to do. He doesn't let the mob tell him what to do. (laughs) We just played a clip of a guy flipping out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. well, I looked at a lot of clips. I don't know. I I didn't want to overdo it with the clips. Shut the fuck up. Uh, The baby. Not not you guys. Not you guys. I was talking to my son. It is interesting, like, the characters in film Mike identifies with, which, like you're saying, it's like people who don't yeah. take shit. Like, well, I, I remember you so uh, provingly talk about, like, Michael Corleone in The Godfather being like, don't ask me about my business, Kay. Like, you yeah. know, he says to his wife, like, don't ask me what I do. That's none of your business. And you heard him say that? Yeah, to, well, to I, a, like no, a I, no, I don't want to tell. What's that? You said that to somebody in life? No, I don't think so. But oh, it's like, okay. well, yeah, I'm not. I don't want to tell you that I was cl- cleaning up shit for one eight hundred got junk for eleven dollars <laughs> an hour. No, I don't. I don't want you to ask me about my business. No, in actually, that case. I do know. Mike said that on a podcast like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. It's like forgotten now. But right. I remember we've so, been friends. We've all been friends for too long. I yes, think. Mike. I've told you this before, but um, one time when when I first moved to the city. Uh, we were walking down the street like with a group of comics and I started making fun of Mike and Mike started flipped down and he goes you're a foot soldier and he like did like some oh soprano God. speech on me <laughs> about how he's like a made man and I'm a foot soldier yeah I don't think he said he was a made man but it, it made is, me feel like he said he was a made man that is really cringe when I said that <laughs> yeah you call me a foot, so- That's, foot soldier that must have been a long time ago, though. <laughs> Fuck. What well, is interesting? Because it's like, all right. Why don't I bring up some embarrassing things that you did? Fine. It's like that episode of Rick and Morty. Here's <laughs> that episode of Rick and Morty where Jerry's where Jerry goes to Pluto because he's trying to. He's insisting Pluto is a planet because he wants people to think he's smart. And they go to Pluto and all the people at Pluto worship him because they're like, "Thank you for validating us." And then and then he's like. Morty, remember that time we threw your poopy underwear in the bushes and all the aliens start laughing? He's like, yeah, I'm just down there in the front yard. Like, what the heck is this? <laughs> He's like throwing his son under the bus. That's what you're doing. You're fucking Jerry from Rick and Morty. 
<laughs> and I'm Rick. Anyway, God, that's so cringe that I said that. I'm such no, a fucking is, loser. No, you're not. No, you're not. You've grown a lot in a decade. But it is interesting yeah. because I think like most men have a, a let's say a fascination or an interest w- in crime and organized crime and all that. Yeah. But you more so than most. I mean, you had an entire podcast about it, the sit down. And you're right. Like a lot of it that is fascinating about organized crime is just like hanging out with your boys as like a way of making a living, but I can see also the the lack of respect for authority, or at least the assertion of yourself as a man, and you're like you're not going to take shit from the cops, and perhaps psychologically for you, Mike, there's a sense that you kind of let people walk all over you in life. So you see these characters like James Caan and Thief, and you think this is me at my most sublime. This is what I could be if I realized my full potential. Is that fair? Yeah, well, he, he, like the, the, he does the score for the mafia, and then they like don't honor the deal in the way that he thought, and he like gets mad, and he's like, you have 24 hours to get me my money, or you're gonna, I'm going to wear your ass as a hat, which is, I think, I think no, or he says, you're going to wear your ass. I forget if he says, I'm going to wear your ass as a hat, or you're going <laughs> to you're gonna wear your ass as a hat. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. He's, he's gonna stick his head up a guy's ass. <laughs> you better give me my money, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna suck your cock. You understand me? gonna go so far up your asshole. <laughs> hey, nice hat, Frank. Where'd you get that hat? He's like, oh, I killed a guy, and uh, yeah, it's nice, right? Some guy wouldn't pay me my money. <laughs> Just you're wearing a man's ass on your head. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, where'd you get the new hat? No, he definitely said. <laughs> no, he definitely said you're gonna wear your ass yeah. as a hat. Vikings <laughs> would do that, right? They'd kill men in battle and then wear their asses on their heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you would smell the asses. Yeah, the yeah. Dead guys' asses. In the winter, like, you'd stick your 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 hands in yeah. the asshole. To hey, Primal's Liver King here. I actually I'm wearing this guy's ass on my head. <laughs> Dude, Liver King got outed. Like, what emails came out that he he loves steroids, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll 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 save that for the Patreon. Oh, okay, bro. I'm just doing a little riff, but uh. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so he like so he 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 tells them he tells the mob to go fuck themselves. He and then spoiler, I don't know if I should. Anyway, what ends up happening is he kind of he goes kind of scorched earth, and he if you don't if you want to hear the spoiler, fast forward. The sh- fast forward thirty seconds right now, but mm-hmm. he gets his partner. Um, so fast forward thirty seconds if you don't want to hear any spoilers. Uh, but he gets uh, Jim Belushi, his partner, killed. He tells his wife, "Go away, take the baby." It's like really weird. He's like, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> He's like, makes her like leave with his new baby. Twenty he blows up his house. <laughs> he blows up his own house. He blows up his bar and he blows up the the car the used car lot that he owns. And then he goes and like kills the mob boss. There's a yeah, he goes and kills the mob boss. That's the end of the story. Hmm. Hell yeah! All right, spoilers are. I guess spoilers are over. Was that thirty seconds? Yeah, Something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So so you know you watch so when you watch the movie, I mean, there, I mean there's there's some great moments in the movie where you go like, oh that's that's awesome because he's like you know he's like that those scores came from my sweat and my work, and uh, and that's how you feel. I guess you know if you're like a commie, if you're like a sex worker, if you work for OnlyFans, that's how you feel about all the hard work that you do every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting that ring light turned on. You got to turn on your ring light and. Um, no, just kidding. Thank you, girls. 
Yeah, I'm pro OnlyFans. I yeah, am. of course. Yeah, we all, everybody is. Everybody is. You'd be crazy yeah. not to. Yeah. Like, well, pro choice. It's pro just OnlyFans. <laughs> pro. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny. To uh, I saw somebody on Twitter say that Sean. They were like. Sean just thinks that work is just clocking in the misogyny factor. <laughs> <laughs> Sean thinks the only kind of work that's out there is clocking in at the misogyny factor. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so, so, and, but I was like thinking about, you know, the more, like I was thinking about the movie more and more after, you know, after I watched it. And I was like, I think they're trying to say the opposite of the way people interpret it. I like movies that have that like have a dumb guy interpretation of it, and then and then the more you think about it, you think about what they're like trying to say. Because I think they're trying to say that like you you shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't be like, give me my fucking money. You know, you can't let your you can't be like you can't be so obsessed with like everyone's got to respect me. You know, because you'll end up destroying. Everything, and I think maybe the point of the movie is that you gotta eat a little shit sometimes. Sure, you know. Mm. Yeah, like I've never—I don't think I learned like anything from Scarface. I'm sure there's a story about don't do something, but I don't know what it is. Well, it's the point of the Scarface is let your sister fuck your friend. <laughs> I guess don't kill your friend. <laughs> yeah, he fucks your sister. He fuck your sister. <laughs> your sister is a grown woman who can make her own decisions, Tony. Yes. Scott oh, yeah, that's when like he really started losing his mind, right? When Manny, yeah, fucked his sister. And he, he just went nuts. Yeah. Pathetic. Yeah. Uh, he kind of wanted to fuck his sister, though, right? Wasn't that it? Didn't he know. grab his sister's tits? Did I make that up? Did he? Hmm. I don't know. I think he wanted to have sex with his sister. No, I think he just... Um, I don't know. Maybe like it was like a protective thing. But S- uh, Scott watched uh, Scarface, and he was like, if I emulated Tony Montana, I'd have to kill thousands of men. <laughs> I would have probably to murder 10,000 people if I wanted to be like Tony Montana. Mm-hmm. Well, Scarface, like, you know, it's like a big Coke movie, but then, like, y- they don't acknowledge how gay Coke makes you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done coke. I don't know. I'm, we're riffing here. Yeah, all right, there we go. Let me tell you something, man. You gonna, you gonna, you gonna pull your cock out? I can't do anything. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. You're gonna pull your, you're gonna, you're gonna uh, be gay. <laughs> Fuck. Uh. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we suck. No, we don't suck. We don't suck. We're You're the one who brought it up. You should, you know, yeah. you should get a tag your own bit. You're right. This con- you know, I can't do it now. This, okay, you're going you're gonna to do the coke and then you're going <laughs> to get fucked in the ass. <laughs> well, I don't understand the premise. Co- doing coke makes you gay? I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, folks, <laughs> Mac Weldon underwear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sheath underwear. There's a little pocket for your balls. Anyway, so I thought we could talk about that. I, th- I thought I thought we could make today's episode, you know, like about a know, movie you saw. Yeah, about a movie I saw, but about about you know standing up to standing up to authority, standing up to corrupt systems. Because you watch the movie, I watched the, the scene where he like confronts the mob boss. You know, the mob boss is like. I think he's like I don't know who the actor is, but he's an older I think maybe Jewish guy, and he's very friendly throughout the movie, and then he kind of like turns you know he turns like mean, and uh, he turns into a real, you know he like throws somebody's body in like acid, 
I don't want to spoil the movie. <laughs> I don't want to spoil the fucking 46. This episode is a review of the movie. Wanna, I don't and he doesn't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil the 46-year-old movie. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> no. no, you can review a movie without spoiling it. Yeah, no. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, Scott. You're always undermining me. I'm not undermining you. Yeah, you're always laughing at me. <laughs> you're always laughing at me behind my back. No way. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you don't fucking respect me. <laughs> you're, like, you're not a foot soldier. Yep, take the baby know. and get out of here. I'm going <laughs> to burn the house down. Yeah, blow up the house. <laughs> Kill Scott. <laughs> Just piss on, piss on it. What are you doing? <laughs> Go! Yeah, I don't know why he tells his wife to take the... I guess it's because he's worried about them getting hurt or killed. <laughs> you know, because the mob's after him. But anyway, so you watch it, you know, two different ways. And you're like, oh yeah, first it's about a guy who like, doesn't take any shit. He stands up to himself. But then you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. Is life about... Is is the point in life that you sometimes you do have to take shit? You do have to eat a little shit. You got to like bend over for people. Because I feel like... You know, you see that in comedy a lot. You know, people get a little, uh, you know, power corrupts. People get a little bit of power. Yeah. And whether it's a fucking club owner or whether it's, uh, you know. Um, a specific club owner. Whether it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> One whose name you've said on the podcast multiple times. <laughs> Who? Who? <laughs> I was just oh, okay. Whether it's, uh, you know, Dan <laughs> Soder, who makes you find him underage prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> who makes you uh, do cocaine first, so that just to make sure there's no fentanyl in it. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know, you find yourself a lot of times, like, uh, you know, you know, faced with, you know, you're in these systems that are, like, corrupt, and you feel powerless a lot, especially as you get older, you feel powerless. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it's like, what do you do? Because I'll tell you a story, because I, what I thought we could do for this episode was that everybody everybody pick somebody that you want to talk about mm. you think's done something like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, who stood up to a authority. Like Rosa Parks. Yeah. Yeah, like Rosa Parks would be the obvious, kind of obvious example. Yeah, yeah. Or Harriet Tubman. Black women are the real heroes. They, they, they fuck retarded boys. <laughs> and give them a place to live. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> they let them into their apartment. They give them <laughs> the harder money they make writing for television <laughs> so that he can spill soup at the fucking writing. <laughs> was that a Patreon episode or was yeah, that a, a, a regular? Yeah, Scott spilled a bunch of chicken noodle soup at Walgreens, <laughs> but which was, well, we've, all, we've all done that. We've all been there. Yeah. Anyway, so... Um, Some woman who, like, <coughs> fled uh, a genocide in Myanmar had to mop up Scott's soup. <laughs> yeah. He spilled all over the floor of the Rite Aid because he was <laughs> holding his vape pen in for as long as he could before he went to shop for groceries. Just, like, t- taking 90% P- THC and seeing if he can hold it in his lungs for 60 seconds before he went to do basic errands. He did his no, first... I yeah. have to. He took his first edible at the age of 31 years old. 
Yo! <laughs> some, some undocumented woman who like watched her father get <laughs> killed in Bangladesh <laughs> during the genocide. It's like, now the only way I can like not get sent back and report it by my employer is to clean up after this man-child yeah. who has an allowance. He got the munchies and he went to get <laughs> soup from fucking Walgreens. <laughs> anyway, um... So I thought we could talk about somebody f- from real from real life who uh, who uh, s- took a stand against authority. There was a guy named uh, yeah. Actually, though, before you get to that, I did want to talk about because um, I actually watched a movie this week, and I think it relates to this like idea of how much shit you have to take, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because we all have this idea of not taking any shit, but we mm-hmm. all have these certain compromises. So I watched the movie um, uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, mm-hmm. which is a movie directed by Paul Schrader. It's excellent. He's the guy who wrote the screenplay for Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, but Mishima, for those who don't know, is a Japanese writer and also like a fascist. I mean, he was extremely uh, pro-Japanese... Uh, war in uh, China, you know, extremely pro-Japanese military and all that, though he actually, and he admits this, he faked a health condition to get out of serving in World War II, which is interesting because, I mean, he's like, he's fast, he's a he's a fascinating character because he is a good writer if you read some of his stuff, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he's still, a lot of, like, fascist and right-wing people are still fascinated with him, and, and also some just left-wing or apolitical people because he's a... A fascinating writer, and he became a best-selling writer in Japan and then internationally after the war. And then uh, in, like, uh, the early 70s, basically, he uh, he came up with this harebrained scheme where, uh, because he was at this point a famous celebrity in Japan and internationally, famous writer. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Do you. Could you imagine, like, like getting really good at stand-up because you studied Hitler speeches? <laughs> <laughs> and then being exposed? I think, like, before I did stand-up, or, like, when I was, like, literally in high school, like, doing open mics, mm-hmm. I, like, printed out some Hitler speeches, and why? I was like... Why? Because I, I was a fucking lunatic. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is that? I was like, why are you connecting that to before you did stand-up? No, I, no, I'm saying I printed them out, and I actually did, like, read through them, because I was like, oh, this guy has charisma. If right. I want to have charisma when I'm doing stand-up, and your I would be was like, like, can you just do drugs like your brother? <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to have charisma like yes Hitler. i did i wanted to have charisma like hitler and i would yeah. like read through them for practice and then i would be Holy like shit. hey did we're just being vulnerable here. your yes. mother found that yeah i know dude i thought i was cringe i did have a lot of books about hitler like honey he you wants did? to be a comic <laughs> 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 he wants to be popular on twitter <laughs> God damn it, Sean! <laughs> she was like, "When I get home from the airport, we're gonna have a talk about this." <laughs> she was like, "Could we buy him more Hitler books? <laughs> Maybe try to get him to get rid of these stand-up books." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what, what about the other fascists that you're into? <laughs> the other gen- the other guy who loves genocide. <laughs> She's like, "You're a big fan." Look, of? Sean, I got you white girl bleed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you, you say, yeah, wasn't this books? story about people who stood up for themselves? What? Or against authority? Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Point so the point oh, okay. is, okay, yeah, yeah. so Mishima, in 1970, comes up with this harebrained scheme. And so, like, because he's a famous writer and a millionaire and all this, he actually gets, like, a private army in Japan where, like, a bunch of little, you know, young men kind of idolize him. He gets really into fitness and just, like, training 
this army that they really heavily believe in restoring the power of the Japanese emperor. They believe he's a god and all that. Um, so in 1970, the scheme that he comes up with is him and uh, four of his acolytes. They go to meet a general in the Japanese self-defense force. And, you know, the general lets him in and sits down and they have a polite conversation because Mishima's a celebrity and all that. And then on his orders, they tie up the general and uh, they hold him at katana point and they say to the other people in the Japanese defense force or, you know, the next ranking person, we're going to kill him if you don't assemble all of the soldiers in the garrison and uh, let them hear a speech by Mishima. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they do. They assemble the soldiers and Mishima gives them a speech or tries to give them a speech about like, we're going to we got to restore this society so corrupt by capitalism and all that. We have to restore the emperor to his rightful place. We have to restore, you know, honor. We have to restore the army and all that. And the soldiers, they just start heckling him. They don't give a shit because it's the entire premise is so harebrained where it's like literally this deeply closeted gay millionaire who's like a psycho fascist got bored and thought, oh, a bunch of fucking grunts who, you know, are making very low on the totem pole wage-wise, want to throw their lives away doing a coup against this government for my own vanity. And, you know, maybe he never thought it would succeed, but he also, in his writings, he talks about uh, the idea that getting old and decaying and dying is so horrible. It's much better to have a glorious death at, like, the peak of your beauty, the peak of your physique, all that. So, of course, you know, the soldiers just heckle him and boo him, and then he goes back in and he uh, kills himself with the katana. It does uh, seppuku or whatever. Mm. Uh, I thought you're not supposed to use the katana for seppuku, though. Oh, I don't know. I thought he used the little knife. Oh, yeah, you're right. He does use the little knife, and then then it was like a really bloody scene where his second, like, wasn't able to cut his head off properly, and, you know. But anyways... uh, but the movie uh, <laughs> he gets stuck. He's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> His blood spurting everywhere. <laughs> Isn't that kind of like what Sean Penn did he, when he showed up? And get, did you see him give Zelensky the uh, his, his Oscar. Oscar? Did you see the video? No. Oh, it rules. Zelensky's like, no, no, I don't. I don't. His Oscar for milk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, which I don't, Oscar? I don't know. I don't know. And he's like, I don't want it. I don't. He has two Oscars, right? He's like, I don't want that gay Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that Oscar you got for being a gay man. <laughs> he said, "Bring it back to me when, when, when you win the war." Uh huh. It's gonna be there for good luck, you know. Well, yeah. that's gonna look great on Putin's shelf. <laughs> he's so fucking cringe, Sean Penn. Do you ever hear that story he wrote about meeting El Chapo Guzman? And it, the first line of it is, "I farted when I met El Chapo." <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so Sean Penn? <laughs> yeah, and that's probably how fucking El Chapo got caught, is because he took a meeting with Sean Penn because Sean Penn at the time was hanging out with some uh, Mexican soap opera actress that Chapo wanted to fuck or something, and so he took a meeting with both of them, and then got arrested and captured very shortly thereafter. It's crazy. You can just be one of the dumbest dipshits alive, <laughs> and you're like one of the most famous people. <laughs> oh, but anyways, so what what I did find fascinating about Mishima yeah. and the movie again, I recommend it. But this idea of like how much shit are you supposed to take? Yeah. And Mishima, what's the movie? What's the name of the movie? Uh, Mishima: Life in Four Chapters. And so the movie is about him, or he wrote the movie, or well, it was <laughs> he couldn't really write the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't it, know when the fucking movie came it out. Was, it was 1985. You fucking Hitler loving freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leave hey, it to on, Sean to watch a movie that has four <laughs> chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking. Yeah. Yeah. 
Some of us have <laughs> families. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, anyway, so uh, Paul Schrader, the the guy who uh, directed and co-wrote Sean's it. Sean's like, let me just pour a nice tall glass of milk and watch this movie that has four chapters. <laughs> <laughs> the device they came up with uh, for writing it, which is uh-huh. quite interesting, is they take four chapters from different books he wrote, mm-hmm. and they contrast that with his actual biography and the day of those events where he, you know, tried to do the coup and all that. Um, and it's very interesting because through his writing, you can see him expressing all these ideas that he would eventually fulfill in this like really idiotic suicide slash coup attempt. Mm-hmm. But what I think wa- was interesting is Mishima was like a guy who was just so driven by force of will where he survives World War II as a, you know, Japanese man, you know. You kind of hit the... (laughs) You kind of got lucky. You managed to get out of the war. You didn't have to be a kamikaze. You didn't get bombed, whatever. You survived. And then you get a government job. He gets a government job. And then your grandson invents Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) He gets such a different... It's just different types of Japanese people. Right. (laughs) There's kamikaze pilots and then there's... Guys who are into Pokemon. And it's from people from the same country, if you can fucking believe it. Samurai kamikaze pilots and and guys who watch uh, big-titted big women get tentacles put in their vaginas. Um, but anyway, so Mishima is in a good position after World War II. He has a government job, and he just, through sheer force of will... He quits his government job. He writes his first book in six months. He writes his second book in five months. You know how, how old was he when he? Wrote He's his first late twenties. Confessions of uh, yeah, Confessions of a Mask, which is like partly autobiographical. I, like. I always go like, how old was he? Could I quit my job now and write a book? And well, and that's literally what, overthrow my government, right? And that's what you know. And and so like he does that, and he becomes international best-selling author. And then you know he was like a skinny, sickly child his entire life. And then after he does that, he becomes obsessed with physical fitness. And he just becomes, you know, like, he works out all the time. He becomes extremely buff. He becomes obsessed with soldiering, you know, partly probably to make up for uh, taking the coward's way out and skipping World War II. But, and then he, you know, ultimately kills himself with this idea of dying at the height of his physique and beauty. But the point is, like, to go back to the beginning, like, you have a good government job, and you quit that to just write to just gamble everything, put everything on black, and be like, I will spend six months, I will write a book, and I'm so confident in my abilities that it will be a bestseller, and it will justify that decision. And that's just something that, like, I watched that, and it just, like, really stuck in my head, because it's, you know, I work a day job, I won't be specific, but I work 40 hours a week, and I want to fucking kill myself. Mm-hmm. I don't have, like, you know, there are people with much worse jobs than me, but just giving 40 of your hours yeah. every week for something you don't give a shit about will destroy your soul psychologically. And if I could just, you know, I'm not a great writer, but I do have this idea that if I could just wake up in the morning and read books and do research and write and write as though it were my day job, yeah. I could probably in six months make something decent. And, you know, the it, it's not like... You're you saying could, this podcast isn't decent? <laughs> well, this podcast is quite good, <laughs> but the idea is... I feel like I am burning my life away without living up to the potential that yeah. I could yeah. if I essentially was willing to take risks because... Yeah, you got to get fired, collect unemployment for a little bit. Right. Mm. Seriously, just do that for a little while. Right. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, the economy is not like the same where you can't really... Why don't we leak Sean's... Why don't we leak <laughs> this podcast to Sean's job? <laughs> Sean. 
Sean, just start shitting your pants at the job. They can't like fire you just to fly. You would you think all the shit you start it. on Twitter, someone would try to g- I am contact your job. Extremely surprised. I was named some like Zionist website named me their anti uh, anti Zionist, not anti Semite of the day. And they had a bunch of my tweets, which I think all of which were quite funny. That's good, though, right? Anti-Zionist, not anti-Zemite. It's like the the website, they're they're being coy, or they're making a joke about it, where they're saying all anti-Zionists are anti-Semites. But they claim they're just anti-Zionists, but so they take, you know, anti-Zionists being, in their opinion, anti-Semitic. But, you know, it's Well, you know, Israel could stop shooting journalists in the head, maybe. And killing kids. Yeah, but cameras on yeah, the shoulder look the like bazookas. Balls. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cameras look like bazookas. Yeah, on a guy's shoulder. Like bazookas. Yeah. Like weapons. But I mean it's like, you know, partly logically, the economy's not quite the same where you you write a book, even if it's popular, it's not like you're fucking rich. No. I mean, you know, but you know, there are still people like Anthony Bourdain's an example where he Yeah. He didn't quit his job, though. He just woke up two more hours early every day. Yeah. And he wrote a book that was a bestseller and all that. But yeah. It, but it is something where it's like, look at it logically. Why don't we both try to write a book? Because I have an idea for a book. Yeah. Why don't we both, we'll see who gets the book done. You guys can bet on who gets their book done faster. Yeah, it's a good First idea. one to 300 pages. What but would your it, book be about? I, well, I want to write... Like it's a collection of nonfiction essays, and it's mostly like the conspiracy shit I talk about. But mm-hmm. I, I have a general thesis, which is like, I think the only reason or a reason I want to write it is I think American political writing is dog shit. Like you go into Barnes and Noble, and it's awful. It's all just like these former, you know, FBI yeah, or yeah, White yeah. House people who never did it's anything. Funny. <clears throat> except for write their book like they just get these white house jobs and they're like okay now i get to do nothing i have that thought and, and i have that thought every like time Nancy grace yeah mm-hmm. yeah i have that thought every time i'm in barnes and noble i'm like i bet this is all like crap and i used to go to barnes and noble as a kid and be like i'm gonna i'm gonna read all these books i'm, I'm gonna read this conservative books i'm gonna read the liberal books i'm gonna read the ann coulter the, the alan combs book mm-hmm. and just know learn everything about yeah I read this book when I was 14 called, like, Sword of Islam or something, and I don't remember a single fucking thing from it. But Why'd you do that? Because it was, like, right after 9-11, I wanted to, like, understand, you know, like, the world, I guess. And I found this book with, like, two Arab guys holding swords, you know? <laughs> and it was called Sword of Islam. But, yeah, I don't really remember anything about it. Well, I'm sure it was a positive portrayal of Islam. Right, but... right, right. Covered all the nuances. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just think it's a very... We're, we are living, as Americans, I think we're living in a very important... Sean runs into me at Barnes & Noble is reading a children's book. I'm like, hey, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I don't waste my time with that crap. I'm just like they're holding eight Hitler books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No, these are for my, uh, my brother. <laughs> Check this out. It's called That's Not My Panda. It's about a mouse who's looking for his panda. I had a book in when I was in high school called Hitler's Women. It was just about Was it blank? <laughs> was it you had blank to turn it sideways <laughs> and it folded out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just about women Hitler dated. Well, Hitler f- killed himself after he married Ava Braun, That's right? right, yeah. Yeah, like the night after. You know, not every guy can handle marriage. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, it was Hitler, the night after? It was like two nights later, I think. Well, I think she he like or never maybe, got yeah. pussy. Like she She wrote that he never fucked her. Yeah, they had sex very rarely. Yeah, because he was like his work was too important. 
it was like two women he was involved with killed themselves because like he, you know he dated his cousin and she killed herself Jesus. but uh and there was another girl that he dated and she killed herself and i think ava braun did a suicide attempt too mm. but because what he would do is like especially once he was powerful he would just like you know stick his girlfriend in an apartment somewhere and you know she would have like a, a personal driver or whatever but she wasn't allowed to leave Mm-hmm. You know, or like she could so only kill themselves. Yeah, because wow. they would. And that's your hero. <laughs> that's your hero. Yeah, Sean, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I thought they killed themselves because he he slut shamed them after. <laughs> <laughs> Just like text them at night. You're a pig. You're a Nazi bitch. That you was easy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you fucked Hitler. <laughs> You're nothing but a trick. <laughs> I don't know what that accent is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they could leave, but they couldn't really like do anything. Man, you know? terrible. Uh, what was the impression I tried to do earlier this episode? But terrible, that and terrible Hitler impression. Yeah. Uh, Isn't Rapunzel? Wasn't that one of his girlfriends? Isn't that about one of Hitler's girlfriends? Yeah. <laughs> she grew her hair out. And oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, the point is like, you got a 40 hour job <laughs> and you're passionate about something, but by the end of the work week, you're so burnt out. Yeah. You don't want to fucking do anything except, you know, maybe get drunk, maybe hang out with your friends or whatever. And, you know, I guess I could power through that. Yeah. I should be making more of an effort, but it's like, Jesus Christ, even essentially you have the 40 hour work week, which already makes you want to kill yourself. And then you have this other project you want to do, which takes a lot of time. And it's like, you're Mm -hmm. putting an extra 20 or 30 hour work week on top. Yeah. Of the thing that already makes you want to kill yourself. Whereas if I were to just have balls and if I were to just put it all on black, I would just quit my fucking job and be like, hey, I have six months. I will do nothing but wake up and do research and write. And by the end of the six months, I will have something to show for it. And then we will find out if my bet was correct. And so 10 o'clock news. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's like, you know, it is something where you understand. Twitter provocateur, Sean McCarthy. (laughs) Two days after finishing what he calls his masterpiece. (laughs) But that's, you know, that's that's why I I think Mishima has has maintains a fascination. Yeah. Among even people who aren't like closeted gay fascists. Mm -hmm. There is there is something about. The human will and the belief in yourself uh, to the point where you would do that. But, uh, you know, and then again, it's just like kind of a compromise where, you know, how much shit are you going to take? I'm willing to take this bullshit from my 40 hour job because I recognize at the end of the day, I have a decent office job that allows me to live and enjoy most of the rest of my life. Yeah. And if you just walk away from that, if you essentially live entirely you know, say, fuck you to everybody else, I'm not taking shit from anybody, mm-hmm. then y- you don't know. You, y- it's it's the mystery of not knowing if can I get away with living like that. Yeah. Well, the grass always green. I mean, it's not like living your dream is, you know, the best thing. I mean, that's also hard in its own ways. But uh, I do think about that a lot. I mean, I think about, like, you know, I lived in New York for 15 years. I've been pursuing comedy the whole time. And I just think, like, most of my time was spent being, like, I need to, like, pay my bills. I got to find yeah. a way to pay my bills. Because yeah, I don't want to be... Right, because I don't, I don't want to be someone who, like, leeches off people. And I don't want to get money from my parents or whatever it is. And, and I want to be, like, an actual person. I want to, you know, like, make my own way in the world, so to speak. And I'll, I'll, pursue, I'll pursue comedy, you know, when I can. 
Um, so that's that's why Mike doesn't uh, fit in with the Brooklyn comedy scene is because he doesn't want to take money from his parents. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw there. Every once in a while, you'll see a sketch or you'll see like a video, and it'll be like leaving me when I leave my parents' house, and they're leaving with like bags of paper towels, and it's like. You should be. Im- I mean, I do that too. I let my mom <laughs> give me paper towels all the time. But it's like, aren't you like embarrassed? Don't you know there's you know poor people who don't have that luxury? I don't know. But anyway, but then you see. So so my like the probably like a third of my energy over the past fifteen years has been spent thinking about like where you know how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to pay my bills? Mm-hmm. And uh, there are people who don't have who don't have that. And they're free to pursue whatever it is they want to pursue. And a lot of times they end up finding success because they have time to devote to whatever they're doing. And you would think if there was a God, he would punish those people and stop (laughs) them from getting TV writing jobs and having their own TV shows and stuff like that. But there isn't because there's no there. There isn't one. And um, and I don't know what the point is that I'm trying to make. I guess I just, you know, something something to think about. Oh, and then oh, and then the other thing is like all now all of the media, like all those people who like become successful in media, it's all made by people who are like that, mm. and that's indicative when you see a show that's actually about sort of like working class people, like The Bear, and you go, "This is not. I'm not into this. I'm not fascinated by watching people work in a kitchen like all the fucking all these like rich liberals are. I guess that love the show. <laughs> you know what I mean." <laughs> I hope the listeners know that Mike is saying this while he's laying down and he's got a tank top on and his his left titty is just completely out. Mike, listen. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) His left is like a Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl situation. (laughs) I mean, it is interesting where it's like, you know... All it's like if I wrote a show about moving, I don't think anybody would... I, I, I I, I wouldn't find it that interesting. If it was a show about driving a truck and moving boxes. I don't know. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just saying, like, you know, for most all of recorded history, like writing and creative pursuits and, you know, uh, to an extent, music and acting and all that, it's all been done by rich people. And there was a bit of a, let's say, a silver age, like with the New Deal and post-World War II and such, where, like, or, you know, like journalism would be another example where actual working class people were doing this. They like they got the bug. They're like, I can do this. And it, this kind of economy disappears. And now we're sort of back to what we were before, you know, this New Deal era where it's entirely if you want to do something creative. Well, like Mike says, you have to be settled financially, because if you're not settled financially, then more than a third there's just too many people who are who who are going to have more time to uh, right they have literally like that third of your life that you're worrying about money or where the bill is going to come from or that you know the third of your life that you're doing your fucking day job that you hate and that crushes you right you know either physically or emotionally or both but you can fight that corrupt system by subscribing to our patreon (laughs) right now so go to patreon.com slash sit down pot sit down pod out for smokes pod <laughs> patreon.com slash out for smokes pod not out for you do this every fucking week yeah i know no i don't not every week so um but uh it's just out for smokes and pa- patreon.com slash out for smokes and kick us five bucks a month that will get you an extra episode every single week yeah but i don't know it uh we got pretty philosophical on this one but uh, i yeah. just think it's um 
it is something where I do look ahead. Like you look ahead like 10 or 15 years and I'm like, if I, I do feel like it's an important moment in U.S. history, and I feel like there's not much writing, there's not much commentary that really reflects it. It's just the most, mm. like, political commentary in America is the most... Except podcasting. That's right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yes. Podcasting is one of the few places that you can hear honest discussions as to what is going on right. in the fucking greatest empire the world has ever seen as right. it slowly comes apart at the seams. Uh, but, you know, MSNBC is not going to give it to you. The fucking poli-sci books you find in Barnes & Noble, they're not going to give it to you. Um, it's just this kind of little corner. And so X, not going to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's just something where it's like things... He's dead. <laughs> things in this country within the next decade are going to change very significantly. And people are... A lot of people are not going to understand why. We're already seeing that with like Trump and QAnon and mm-hmm, all this shit, mm-hmm. where it's like people are so misinformed, right? That but do you think that's like a, maybe a type of hippie? You know, like they'll they'll just disappear in, into a part of upstate New York too. Yeah, like QAnon people, hippie. It's just you know they'll all just get old and live somewhere. Well, they'll you know go in and out of different beliefs, but the the general let's say what's what's called conspiracy theory. Well, that'll keep going, but the thing is they'll become more and more disconnected from actual conspiracies, you know, things that are, like, quite real, like the national security state and such. But it, it's just, like, I I feel like there's almost a duty to try to, to put words or to, to try to actually have a discussion, actually have discourse in the United States that reflects what is actually going on and trust that people who live here are smart enough to understand what's going on, which I believe most people are, and it's just like they are very heavily being prevented from getting that. So I do feel like, I guess by playing it safe, there's a worry that 10 or 15 years from now, not that I could actually change anything about it but that i will look back and regret playing it safe 10 or 15 years from now instead of just being all balls out and doing what is statistically an extremely stupid thing which would be quitting my cushy job yeah that it might destroy my soul but yeah you know it's like i don't have to worry about my bills as long as i fucking (laughs) am willing to have my soul destroyed every week i thought about doing that too just taking some money and giving myself two months to kind of like maybe just get some more uh you can just do some more work but unfortunately all my all the stocks that i bought are <laughs> my portfolio is down about 47 percent, folks which is pretty thanks so we just want to thank joe biden and his we just want to thank joe and his hoe for that for cratering the beautiful trump economy <laughs> i like to imagine the the crypto scam artist sam bankman freed is uh somewhere right now wiping his ass with mike Racine's money <laughs> Like peeling off another hundred dollar bill that was no, no stop Ben's college fund <laughs> college just, yeah <laughs> just running it through his asshole um maybe trade school yeah yeah no one does that no one saves up to send their kid to trade school <laughs> to, to to teach their kid wallpaper hanging <laughs> so you could make like a decent living um. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's like everybody finds the balance of how much shit they're willing to take mm-hmm. because you do have to take a little bit of shit yeah. just to to exist in life. But I do think we all have to kind of look within ourselves and try to imagine 
what our lives are going to look like 10 or 15 years from now mm-hmm. and n- live it in a way that we don't have regrets. Right. So it's just something I'm still thinking about, still working out in my head as to how to best do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, we got to wrap up in a little bit, but... I typically go, I just hope I'm f- more flexible than I am today. You know, I look 10 years into the future and I go, I hope Physically? I start yoga. Yeah, I just yeah. go, like, I hope I don't fucking right. keep hurting my back for no good reason. Uh, well, if you never start, you have that to look forward to. Because I always do that, too. My muscles feel really tight and I go, I'll stretch someday. Yeah. I can't wait to be a, a, a stretcher. Yeah, I'm going to be Dalsim. Um, anyway, let me tell you guys a little story. It sort of ties into the theme of our uh, of our show. This is a story, a little story about a guy named Marvin Hemeyer from uh, where was he? Grandy, Granby, Granby, Colorado. So Marvin Hemeyer, he was a welder. He uh, he moves to Granby, Colorado when he's uh, 38 years old. He sets up a, a a muffler repair shop in town. Everybody described him as being a very, you know, good natured uh, person. His brother said he would bend over backwards to, uh, you know, he would do anything for people. He didn't have a wife or a child or, or child. Um, John Baldry, a friend of Hemeyer, said he was a likable person. Uh, uh, many people described him as an affable person, local resident, but local resident Christy Baker claimed that her husband was threatened by Hemeyer after refusing to pay for a disputed muffler repair. Baker said her husband later paid Hemeyer $124. So that's what the dispute was about. Then I don't know what this guy's problem is. I think he should pay the man his money. Mm. Anyway, so in 1992, he spends $38,000. He purchases some land from the uh, the Resolution Trust Corporation, uh, which is the federal agency organized to handle the assets of failed savings and U.S. loan associations. So he owns this land for for uh, for, for $38,000. There's a construction company that wants to build on his property, and they want to build this, uh, I think, this concrete plant, okay? And so they start negotiating, but the problem is that they would, um, the the concrete plant would block access to his muffler shop. So it would essentially destroy his business, because there was no other road getting in. Now, I thought when I originally heard this story that he, he wanted... It, it was property between him and his house, and he just wanted to cut through. But it was like it, it would have like destroyed his business. Mm-hmm. Um, and he petitioned the town to build a road to the muffler shop. They said no. He starts negotiating with the concrete company, and I mean, some of this is like kind of disputed. I think there's different versions of the story, mm-hmm. a- and and so I want to portray this like authentically. But it did seem like this Wikipedia thing was a little bit like biased, you know. <laughs> Against Marvin Hemeyer, <laughs> the little guy, in the story. But anyway, so what? So, but from two from from two sources, basically, somebody said that he, they they agreed on <laughs> that he was going to sell his lands for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Then he went back and he said, "No, I want three seventy five. <laughs> and then I think he asked for like, uh, you know, about a million. So the negotiation kind of like you know they sort of had a falling out. Uh, and then they, so then they started, so there was never an agreement made over, over what he would like sell his land for. Um, and, uh, and then he was fined, he was fined $2,500 by the city for not, I, for not like using the sewage properly or something. What are you fucking giggling at? (laughs) Nothing. I'm just listening to the story. For not using the sewage properly or something like that. When it was the when some say it was the construction um, of the concrete plant that that cut off his uh, his sewage and they fined him for like leaving 
junk cars in his in his yard, which is which was part of his job as a welder. Hmm. So anyway, so he never really gets. So he they kind of like, you know, they're building this concrete plant. It they threaten to sort of destroy his business. He spends the next year and a half. He was a welder. Oh, and he also bought a bulldozer because he was like, I'll build the road to the muffler shop. Okay. Now, I I, I hope I'm telling this story like authentically. I don't know. Anyway, he goes, they're like, no. So he's like, okay, they fucked over my whole business. We, you know, he wasn't able to, they weren't able to find an agreement with the concrete plants. And he was like, I have this bulldozer. So he spends the next year and a half like welding armor to his to this bulldozer. <laughs> so he he ends up putting like concrete and steel plates. This is like a seven year old describing the Avengers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. Like, no, wait. He goes. He gets right. a tank. He the tank is big. <laughs> All of Mike's heroes are exposition. All of Mike's heroes are guys who took a bunch of shit and then finally got fed up and went on a spree. Yeah, Mike's Mike's next hero is a bagel boss. (laughs) Actually, yeah, he stood up to the tyranny of women on dating apps, saying, "Don't be five Anyway, so he welds a. Uh, I think this is a good story, and I think I hope a lot of our listeners agree with me. Anyway, he puts uh, concrete and steel onto his bulldozer, <laughs> and um, there was something about the bulldozer where it's like the door, the top door was so heavy that once he was in, he like couldn't get out. Hmm. So he knew that he was going to die in this bulldozer. No. <laughs> yeah. So there were on there were fans on the bulldozer. That he installed an air conditioner. He attached a 50 caliber rifle to the, to the bulldozer, and he went and he destroyed uh, like the mayor's house. <laughs> he destroyed his own business first, so yeah, very much like the James, like James Con and Thief. Um, the newspaper that like editorialized against him, yeah, the mayor's house and like some hardware store that was like supported by. He didn't kill anybody, but nobody could stop him because his bulldozer was like covered in. And there was even like I think what is like a uh, a scraper that tried to like take him on. But the they they have to get the snowplow guys on the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then yeah, somebody said once he tipped the lid shut, he knew he wasn't getting out. So he goes on this little this nice little rampage. The cops are shooting at him. He can't. They can't do anything. The bullets are bouncing back. At one point, the authorities and the Colorado State Patrol feared they were running out of options in terms of firepower. Governor Bill Owens allegedly considered authorizing the National Guard to either use an Apache attack helicopter equipped with a Hellfire missile or a two-man fire team equipped with a Javelin anti-tank missile to destroy the bulldozer. This was quickly deemed unnecessary when Hemeyer became trapped in the basement of a Gamble's hardware store. He's trying to destroy this hardware store. He gets stuck. He shoots himself with his rifle. No, with his uh, with a three fifty seven caliber handgun. Hmm. And uh, it ended up taking authorities like seven hours to cut the. They referred to it as the kill dozer, even though he didn't kill anybody, just himself. Um, Did he call it the kill dozer or like what, I think was a the cop news? I think the media. Like, it was some sort of <laughs> kill dozer. Kill dozer. <laughs> he yeah. made some sort of kill dozer. Was anyone killed? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, no. And then uh, he said, uh, you know, he, he had some audio recordings of uh, what he was doing. He said, God built me for this job. I think God will bless me to get the machine done to drive it, to do this stuff. I mean, it's what, the funny thing about this story is he, it took him a year and a half. At no point in that year and a half was he like, is this, like, not a good idea? Because you think about all the things, like, 
I have like I think maybe three landlords ago. I still think about putting a note on his Range Rover and being like, "I'm gonna kill you tomorrow," because <laughs> <laughs> enough time has gone by where he wouldn't. He's such a scumbag that I'm sure there's a lot of people who want him dead. You know, um, I'm just never in that neighborhood anymore. But um, but uh, so yeah. So at no point was he like, "Hey, maybe this is a bad idea." Anyway, I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. And that's the story of Marvin Heemeyer and the Killdozer. He really is American Mishima. Though I I think he's much cooler than Mishima. Yeah. There used to, I told Mike this uh before, but uh there used to be a commercial in North Jersey. People listening from North Jersey will know this is true. Um, where it'd be on late at night and a black screen with writing would come on and it would be like in 1993. And there's some story that's similar to this. A yeah. guy got a tank or stole a tank, drove it through a neighborhood, crushed a bunch of shit, right? And so they're showing footage of it, then it's black screen again and it's white writing, you know? He never made it to his destination. Then there's more, you know, cops pulling guns on the tank and then black screen, white writing, but we think we know where he was going. And then it goes, dun 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 and it says titillations go-go bar (laughs) it's like a go-go bar commercial it's very strange i'm just imagining a year from now scott and i are watching the local new york news and we just see a video of mike in an armored bulldozer knocking over the comedy cellar (laughs) well i don't have beef with the comedy cellar oh okay it's in a basement too so he's he wouldn't be able to get (laughs) it yeah it just fucks up the cafe upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> it just kills a bunch of Dutch tourists. <laughs> misses every comic and every just booker. Just hit the orphanage that's above. Yeah. Ah, shit. I can't do anything right. I would play this commercial, but I, I don't think it's going to be... But it's, yeah, titillations, go-go bark commercial. Well, yeah, there's no real talking. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. No, the killdozer... <laughs> The Killdozer story is interesting, too, because, like, among all political tendencies in the U.S., everybody loves that guy. Like, libertarians yeah. love him. Yeah. Socialists love him. Which is weird because... love him. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because this Wikipedia article seems pretty heavily, like, against him. But yeah, I don't... Yeah, because Wikipedia are fucking pussies, and they mm-hmm. do that on every conspiracy, you know, like... Do they? Yeah. Well, every conspiracy article, they just dumb down. Like, Terrence Yecke was the guy who was absolutely murdered because he knew the truth about the Oklahoma City bombing. He was a first responder. He sa- or I think he was a cop. Yeah, he was a cop. He was on scene at Oklahoma City. He saved three lives, and he saw... If you get me killed because, uh, yeah, if <laughs> because of your conspiracy stuff, I'm gonna be... I'm gonna haunt your ass. <laughs> That'd be great. They shoot Mike and they tell me, you got to live with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, good. Anyway, Terrence Yaki was uh, uh, a cop. He ran in. He saved three lives in Oklahoma City. And uh, he told his wife, like crying over the phone, that the, the real story, it's not the truth. And the common theory is that he saw undetonated explosive devices that day. We don't know exactly what he saw. But regardless, he spends about a year investigating the Oklahoma City bombing. He becomes deeply concerned and starts telling people that people are following him and he has to get out of town and he drives out and um, he disappears and he turns up in a field and it's officially termed a suicide but the thing is he had uh, abrasions on his wrist that indicate he was handcuffed 
And the official story is that he cut his own wrists and crawled basically a mile over a fence and then shot himself. And it's like, it's so obvious that anybody who looks at this will go, yeah, this guy was tortured and then he was shot because he was looking into the Oklahoma City bombing. And Wikipedia, his Wikipedia page, which still exists, used to reflect that. And then it you know, went around Twitter and they're like, oh, we got to fix this. And so now it's just a bunch of nonsense. But and that was a conspiracy to get Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah, basically that. But the point is, Wikipedia sucks, and they, you know, very heavily yeah. censor anything that would be slightly critical of the U.S. government. Right, because every blog that I looked at was like, they probably just America doesn't give a fuck about the small business, about the blue collar <laughs> small business owner. They probably wanted wanted to take everything, take his business, so he could go work at Walmart. And That's you're like, right. that damn right, yeah. Um, yeah, but because nobody, nobody honestly defends Walmart. It's interesting, but uh, yeah. So and then yeah. So it's it's and then they they emphasize as also this YouTube video. It's just I mean obviously this guy felt like he got fucked pretty pretty bad, um, and I think they I think they're trying. My guess would be they're trying to spin the story as him like being greedy or something. You know, that really is kind of the duality of what we've been talking about. It's like. Using no, all you were greedy. They're like, no, he was greedy, actually. Right. Yeah, I've seen some of that where he's like, yeah. but anyway. But it's kind of the duality of like what is admirable in man is like using all of your will, all of your drive. To get revenge. Yeah. To, to, to either accomplish something or destroy, destroy a lot. Or destroy something. Or destroy it. Yeah. And, you know. Or to it, crush your enemies. Right. Yeah. And that's like, and Mike admires those who destroy a lot but the people deserve it and there yeah. are those those great figures throughout history well, what is what is life ab about other than crushing your enemies that's right you know i got a list of people <laughs> starting with the old comedy seller you know that's right you heard it here first folks Anyway, over on, I think over on Patreon, let's talk a little more about the Oklahoma City conspiracy and, and why yeah. why they... But let's do it on Patreon. Yeah, we can... Uh, Scott and I can talk about our heroes, or a couple people we, well, yeah, we thought were heroes. Oh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll yeah. talk about that on yeah, Patreon. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Patreon.com slash Pod. We would love your support. We appreciate your support. I think we're at 600 patrons, which is... I don't think any of us ever thought we would we would get there. Um, so thank you. It's very nice when that, uh, little bit of money comes in from you guys. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we're going to send it straight to OnlyFans. <laughs> it's going to some very, uh, thick baristas <laughs> <laughs> who need our money. So we're keeping it in the family. We're keeping it in the family of podcasters and, and OnlyFans. And I'm going to definitely eat one of those cookies that Scott yeah. brought you ate a whole bag of cookies? Yeah, they're my cookies. Go. They're my the cookies. This is my like fucking house. No, Th this is my house that you come to every week, and I only had what well, you gave Benny a cookie. I gave Ben three cookies. Three cookies. Like all my gushers. I made chili for you guys. I didn't. I didn't. Did, were you offered any chili when you stepped in here, Sean? I don't even smell Not chili. Not when you stepped you liar. in. We were setting up. And Deb uh, ate one of my cookies. Oh, okay. Scott eats the last cookie and Mike goes, but there's like 15. Deb, take the baby and get out of the house. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of cookies. I'm there's hungry like boy. 15 cookies in there. I guess you are a hungry boy. All right, everybody. Thanks again. We'll see you next week or we'll see you on Sunday night. Bye-bye.